What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everland College Basketball Podcast. My name is Peyton Burton, and today I am by myself for the first time in, like, I think a couple years. Two years ago, I did a podcast by myself, but that's only because Josh was sick and he couldn't um, he couldn't make it, so I ended up doing it by myself. But the reason I'm doing this episode solo is because we are going to discuss the biggest topic, the biggest news storyline so far in the offseason, definitely in the past week, and that is the whole Trenton Flowers leaving Louisville to go to Australia. And not only that, but we're just going to talk about the Louisville basketball, the state of Louisville basketball, the program. Um, we're just going to talk about that as well and talk about the like the last decade of what this Louisville team, our Louisville program has gone through. And to just keep it blunt, like we've gone through, I'm not going to speak for everybody in the fan base. I'm just going to speak for myself and myself only. But this past decade, 2012, we went to the Final Four. 2013, whether people wanted to say it's vacated, whether people wanted to admit it happened or it didn't happen, don't really care. 2013, we won the national championship. 2014, we got back to the Sweet 16. We had a couple more good years after that, 2015 or 16, 15 or 16, I don't know which year it was. Uh, we had the postseason ban. That's when Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, those were, uh, excuse me, those their senior year. Um, had some good years this past, like 20, um, 2016 or 2017, uh, Coach Petito's last season. We had a really good team, got knocked out in the second round. But dealing with all the scandals around the program, dealing with, if you just look, at the last like six, seven years, we've had like four or five different head coaches. 2017 was Rick Pitino's last year. 2018, David Padgett took over for the season. That's two coaches already. 2020 to 2022 uh, or 2021, Chris Mack took over. So that's three coaches. 2022, that was Chris Mack's final year. He got fired halfway through the season and Coach Begis was named interim head coach. Um, so that's four coaches. And then last season, 2023, was KP, uh, Kenny Payne's uh, first season. So that's five coaches in the span of like six years, six and a half years. That's not good. That shows how deep this program has fallen. And if you, this used to be a program that you could always look at, and the expectations was always national championship. Final Four. It's the same for Michigan State. It's the same for UCLA, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. It's the same for those programs. And now we've went from competing for Final Fours or expecting to go to Final Fours and expecting to compete for a national championship to now we're barely struggling to get double di- a, di- a double-digit win season. We're struggling to get players who actually want to play for this program and play for this team and pit the Louisville uniform on. It's it's difficult. I posted on my Twitter, and I don't know how many of you guys follow my personal Twitter page, um, but I posted on my Twitter a couple of days ago to saying that it's been really difficult to say proudly that I'm a Louisville fan. This last decade, with all the scandals, new head coaches, firings of like athletic directors, um, just everything that's transpired over the past decade has been hell. It's been hell. And it's been so tough to say proudly that I'm a Louisville fan. 
So I just want to get that out of the way first. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the biggest news topic in this past week. Maybe the news, the biggest news topic in the offseason period. I mean, it's up there. It's definitely up there for debate. Trenton Flowers was a five-star kid in the 2024 recruiting class. He committed to Louisville. He, as soon as he committed to us, he reclassified to play this upcoming year. And he was supposed to be a kid that could have elevated us to potentially, I put that in air quotes, potentially make a run um, to get back in a tournament, something we haven't done since 2019. That was the last time being in the NCAA tournament. 2020, we were going to be an NCAA tournament. Um, that's when we had that really good season. Um, and that's when the COVID uh, pandemic hit and it shook things up and it ended the season early before anyone can, uh, before conference tournaments really even started. He was supposed to be a kid that was supposed to elevate this team and be a main product in not only our offense, but probably a little bit of our defensive ability as well. Just because he's six foot eight, he's long, he's lengthy, and he's athletic. He can get there, he can block shots. So not only offensively would he have been a problem for teams, but defensively, I think he could have caused some havoc as well on the defensive side of the ball. Very excited as much as. Card Nation was as well. They were, we were all excited to watch this kid put in a Louisville uniform and watch him play in the Yum Center and watch him play against teams like North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, all these types of different programs. And what did he do? In mid-August, mid-August, I don't even know if classes even started yet. Maybe they did. Maybe like in the first like week and a half, first week of uh, classes started. I actually don't know that information. Mid-August, he decides to tell the coaching staff that he is no longer going to play for the University of Louisville. Instead, he's going to go to Australia, play a year there. That way he can be draft eligible because he feels like that's a better opportunity for him to get to the NBA or to polish his game, to better to a better fit for his game uh, to go to the NBA then to go to Louisville. And that right there says a lot about the coaching staff and a lot about the program, the fact that a kid would want to go play in Australia instead of come to Louisville, where NIL is a big factor, and he could be playing, even if Louisville sucks, he'd still be playing for Louisville. He'll still be playing in the Yum Center, and he'll still be playing the ACC Conference, which would get him a shitload of exposure. Um, but, you know, it's at the end of the day, before I get into everything, get into all my thoughts and just everything that's been going around this past week, really the past like three days, um, I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to try to play both sides and really not be too harsh of a critic and try to think of the positive of the situation. But let's be real. There's really no positive to this uh, situation right now because this kid, whether he – I've been reading a lot of what Lowell – um, the fan base has been saying on Twitter, and even I've been reading some analysts talk about it as well. That this kid pretty much took his NIL money, quit on the team, and said, I'm going to Australia. I don't know if that's exactly what he did. They did an interview, him and his dad did an interview, which I don't know who they did the uh podcast interview, whatever you want to call it. Um, they did it like a couple hours after he announced on Twitter that he was leaving and Instagram. And he said like, this wasn't a money grab. 
that he felt like this is a better opportunity to polish his game and get ready for the NBA draft. And they said it wasn't a money grab. But then that night, this dude, Trenton Flowers, goes on Instagram Live and basically flaunts a a necklace that he has and just basically asking, or basically just taunting their fan base that it was definitely a money grab. So, I mean, you play with that how you want it. You can go about that how you want it. You can say it's a money grab. You can say it's not. I don't really care because at the end of the day, he screwed us big time. Whether he meant to, whether he did it with intent, or what he didn't do with intent, does not matter. He left us and left KP no choice to just go on with the roster that we have right now. We have one point guard on the team, and that's Sky Clark. We have two other guards after that. We have Curtis Williams, and we have Kron Davis. Tyler Robinson has yet to enroll into classes this year. I don't know what's going on with that situation. Hopefully, they can get sorted out soon, but he it's like mid-August, and he's yet to enroll into the University of Louisville. Again, not sure what how the hell that's happening and not sure what's going on. Hopefully that get hopefully we can find more information on that and that can get resolved soon. But the fact of the matter is that this kid, whether he did it on purpose or not, he screwed us big time because we have zero options in the transfer portal. We can't go get a replacement just like that. If he would have done this a month ago. If he would have done this like a month ago, like, hey, maybe this opportunity, who knows? Maybe this opportunity didn't come around until just now. Maybe that's why that they announced it this late. But I'm just saying, like, just pure speculation. If, like, if they known about this opportunity a month ago and they just waited until now to say anything, that's definitely bullshit on their part because they could, if they could have said something a month ago, like, maybe give them a heads up, like, oh, we're not sure about the situation. We're going to think about it a little bit longer. At least let the coaching staff get an opportunity just in case they do leave to maybe look around and see what they can get in the transfer portal or see if they can find a replacement. But they tried to say that they gave KP and the coaching staff 36 hours in advance before they announced their decision. But, like, 36 hours or a week, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. We can't go get anybody. So, why try to clarify, like, oh, we gave him 36 hours, like, that's going to mean anything, because it doesn't. It doesn't matter if he did it 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours, a week. Like, it doesn't, unless you've done this a month ago, and even then, it still would have been a struggle to go find a replacement just like that. Um, we're just, it, it just leaves us in a shitty situation. It makes our coach staff and our program look like shit. Um, this whole situation sucks. I hate it. I was hoping this kid would play for us this year because I feel like he could have changed the way we go about things and he could have really brought excitement to the crowd, specifically at the position that he was probably going to play. And another thing, speaking of position, he posted on his Twitter after he uh, decommitted, whatever you want to call it, after he left, uh, he posted on his Twitter, like, now everybody can call me a point guard like I rightfully am. If that's the reason that he left because – he wanted to play point guard for this team, then that's ridiculous. He's six foot eight, 210 pounds, and this dude wants to play point guard. I get, 
I, before anybody says anything, I get that this dude used to play point guard before he had that growth spurt. But let's be real here. If he's six foot eight and he's athletic as he is, he would not be playing point guard in college. He'll be playing on the wing. That's where his, his position is going to be at. He'll be playing on the wing. The same thing that happened to Amani Bates. Amani Bates was like six foot seven, six foot eight. And when I seen him play at the Nike YBL about five, six years ago, whenever that was. This dude was playing mostly point guard. And then when he got to the college, he was trying to uh, – they were trying to put him at point guard, and it didn't end up going well. They needed to play him in the wing, which that was his rightful position. And when he went to Eastern Michigan, that's what they started to do. And you've seen the year that he had. He didn't go off by any means and have this spectacular year, but he definitely played well, and he had some games and some moments in his last – in the season at Eastern Michigan that showed his potential as an athlete and as a basketball player. So if Trenton Flowers really wanted to play point guard, then maybe he should have just went elsewhere. Maybe he should have went to Creighton. Who knows? Maybe they would have played him up. Maybe uh, McDermott would have played him up point guard. Probably not, though. So if that's an excuse that – if that's the reason he left because he wanted to play point guard, whether KP promised him or not um, that that's the position they were going to play him at, he doesn't owe him anything. Like, how many coaches do you see in the in the game of college basketball – that potentially makes a promise to a kid, gets him into the school, and doesn't own up to that promise. They don't have to, but they should know better. Like, I've heard on countless amount of times, Coach Bill Self, excuse me, I had a sneeze there. Uh, Coach Bill Self said this about Mitch Lightfoot, that they was going to play him in a significant role, give him a lot of minutes. And what did they do when he came to Allen Fieldhouse, when he came to Fall Gallon in Lawrence, Kansas? He didn't really play all that much his first couple of years. It took him till about his like his sophomore junior year before he finally got valuable minutes. And he understood. He didn't go bitch about it on Twitter or complain about it or want to get transferred. He stuck through it and he ended up becoming a big factor in why we won the national championship in 2022. So just because these coaches say a certain things and like these um recruiting visits does not mean that they have to own up to that, own up to what they say. Like, just because Coach Cal does majority of the time doesn't mean every coach in the game is supposed to act with that manner, um, with that same mindset. But that's just my opinion. Back to the Trenton Flowers situation, though. Not only did he leave, not only did he leave um, in the way, in the fashion that he did, but the biggest talk so far is in that said interview that I mentioned a couple minutes ago that he did after he left the program and went to Australia, announced he was going to Australia. He said in the interview, him and his dad, that he tried to coach, or not coach, he tried to call um, KP like seven or eight times and he's yet to hear a response. Before I talk about that, he never clarified if this was before the, the announcing of the decommitment or if this was after they told the coaching staff that he was leaving. Whether or not, whether it's before or it was after, doesn't really look good in KP's favor. I will admit that. But people got to realize here. Rob Dowster, I actually have a tweet post up uh, pulled up on my uh on my monitor here, on my screen here. He posted it almost perfectly. He, same thoughts that I agree exactly what he said. Rob Dowster for further 68. This is what he said. 
Tritton did what's best for him, and that's well within his rights. Chase the bag while you can, especially if you think the fit is better. Tritton also quit on Kenny Payne in Louisville um, on potentially the first day of classes. Louisville doesn't have another option they can bring in. Put in a put in. Put another way, Trenton effed over the team he committed to. Why would KP want to talk to him after that? If someone gave me the word that they'd be a part of 50, a field of 68 and backed out last minute, I'd be pissed. Happened last year. I have no ill will, but it doesn't mean we're going to be buddies after the fact. Um, I have no idea why they thought it was a good idea to talk about this in this format, but they certainly aren't making Louisville look like the foolish ones here. I agree with everything he said. If someone came to our show and gave us all word, or gave them the word that they were going to join and hop out, whether it's the magazine or um, they're hopping on the podcast like four times, whatever it is. If they came to us and said, hey, I'm going to do this for you guys. You ain't got to worry about it. I'm going to help you guys out with the magazine or just whatever. Just help you out with the podcast. Maybe help come produce the show or something like that. And we go to ask him, like, hey, you still in? Like, if we're going to record a show and that they're trying to produce. Like, hey, you're still going to produce for us. You got everything ready. And they don't respond and they basically ignore us and they back out last minute. I'd be pissed off. There's no way in hell I'd want to talk to them after that because I don't respect their, um, not that I don't respect their decision, but I don't respect the manner that they went about making the decision. The biggest thing, and Josh, I talked to him about it and I talked to Phil and I talked to, um, Johnny and Coy and Trevor about this situation and they have a right to disagree with me and they have a right to their own opinions they're basically in all the favor that yeah it sucks and yeah they can understand KP's um, anger towards the situation but their whole thought process is you're not only recruiting the kids but you're recruiting the parents as well and that you're always recruiting if, they, if you don't return the call at least um, it puts you in a bad light and it doesn't help recruiting because you're always recruiting. I agree with that to some extent, but they got also got to realize like, yeah, you are recruiting the kids and you are recruiting the parents, but the parents has to do a better job of communicating as well. And there's no reason in hell that they should have done this interview. And they pretty much tried to make Louisville look like the victims and were not. Instead of like I said with Rob Dowser's tweet, like why in the hell would they think this is a good idea to talk about this in this type of format? Especially, like give it a couple of days. Give it a couple of days after the decision, let the smoke settle, then do an interview. Why would you do it right after uh, you just announced um, this shocking move um, that pretty much makes us look bad, uh, just to try to make us look even uh, worse? Like why? That's on them. Why do they, they could have went about this in a whole completely different way, but they're trying to make themselves look like the victim. That way they can make themselves look like the heroes and not make them look bad at all. But in reality, that's done the complete opposite because not only are the whole fan base uh, talking about them about how they screwed us and how they went about this wrong. Um, but even guys like Rob Dowster and other people who have no affiliation with Louisville basketball at all are also agreeing that they uh, went about this situation um, the wrong way. Um, either way, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for us. It doesn't look good for him. Um, it puts us both in a bad light, both Flowers and his family and uh, the coaching staff. Um 
But real quick, I just mentioned the fan base. Let me, and I just mentioned the parents. Let me get something out of the way just real quickly. And I'm going to talk about this briefly because if this is true, and I don't know because it's a bunch of rumors, um, and this just plays into like the victim card, whether that that's what they're doing or they're not, I don't know. It's pure speculation, not accusing anybody of anything. But Trent Flowers' mom posted on the Twitter that they were receiving death threats from the fan base after they just made this decision. Now, the fan base of Louisville, even myself, I went and looked at the tweets. I went I went and looked at the the tweet that Flowers posted about his announcement. I went and looked at his Instagram post about the announcement. I personally didn't find any death threats at all um, from the Louisville fan base. Not to say it didn't happen, because they obviously could have got DM'd by Louisville fans um, and sending death threats, telling them to kill themselves and all this shit. Um, if that's the case, and they really are receiving death threats, because a bunch of Louisville fans are asking them to post the proof, and they're just not. They're basically ignoring it. They don't have to, but I know also if it was me and people asking about it, I would definitely be posting, um, posting proof of it happening. But that's just me, though. Not everybody thinks like I do. Um, I understand that, but let me just get this out of the way. If you call yourself a Louisville fan and you are sending death threats to a 17, 18-year-old kid and his family because of a decision that he made to not only better himself, uh, potentially better his family, you, excuse my language, are a fucking dumbass. You're a straight-up dumbass, and you, I'm not going to go tell you to be a fan of another fan base, because this is how you act. I'm not going to go tell you to go be a fan of a different team. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you to stop being a fan of sports and stop watching it because if you're that invested and in that emotional of a 17, 18-year-old kid's decision to potentially better himself and his family, you're a dumbass and you should not be watching sports because you take this shit way too seriously and you're not making this look good if you call yourself a Louisville fan, if that's the truth. If it's not the truth and they haven't received death threats and they're trying to play a victim card and make them look better, then that's bullshit on their part. That's pure speculation. We're never going to know unless they actually post proof. Um, but I just wanted to play both sides there and uh, try to clarify that. But that's it on the whole Trent Flowers situation. It sucks. I hate it. Um, was really excited to watch this kid play. I wish him nothing but the best. And his career at Australia and his potential NBA career after that. But man, he fucked us. Am I pissed off a little bit about his decision? Yeah. Am I a little bit hurt and a little bit disappointed about his decision? 100%. But you would never, ever catch me sending death threats or any of that bullshit, hoping the kid gets injured, hoping they, his career doesn't pan out like they want it to. Like you would never hear those words coming out of my mouth. So once again, if you if that's the truth and you are uh, the person, uh, one of the people sending death threats and telling them to kill themselves and threatening them and all this bullshit, fuck you, you're a dumbass. Let's move on to a little bit something positive though. I said I was gonna try to keep this positive or try to think of the positive this whole uh, this whole deal. One of the positives though is. Sky Clark has been defending this program um, like no other. He has been telling everybody, all the fan base, all the coordinations, just relax. And we got some dudes on here. We got some dogs on this team. The season hasn't hasn't even started yet. Don't count us out. Don't count us out yet. 
And that right there shows you why I am thrilled to watch Sky Clark perform this year. Because let's let's not get it twisted. Not only does KP and the coaching staff have something to prove this year, but Sky Clark has something to prove to himself and to the haters as well. Because he's a former K- Kentucky commit. He decommitted from there, committed to Illinois, only played about 10 games before he left uh, the team for uh, personal reasons. I actually don't know um, the whole story there. I just remember him leaving the team uh, for post, for said personal reasons. And now he left, he uh, ended the transfer portal, and now he's playing for us this year. So he also has something to prove to all the doubters as well. And I think he's going to have a good year this season. I think he's going to score the basketball. I think he's going to facilitate. Defensively, I think he has to get better, but he has the potential of doing so. Um, and he's going to get a lot of minutes because just like L. Ellis did last year, as of now, I mean, he's the only point guard on the team that can really uh, run the show for us this year. Excuse me. So that's definitely a positive with this whole shitty situation uh, that Sky Clark has been defending us and defending the team um, as much as he possibly can. So I appreciate that from him. Let's talk about this past decade. Let's talk about the culture of Louisville basketball. Last year was the worst season in Louisville basketball history, 4-28 only won four games, started the year off 0-9, won two in a row. He beat West Kentucky, beat Florida A&M back-to-back games at home. Um, we went 2-18 and in conference play. Only two games that we won was at home against Georgia Tech and at home against Clemson. That was the game that we honored the 2020 or the 2013 National Championship squad. So it was a big night, big emotional night there. Um, but, man, last season was – I can't even put it into words. It was so bad. It was disgusting. It was disappointing. It was, um, it was just sad to see. And the year before that wasn't really any better as well. Like I said, it was Chris Mack's final year. We started the season ten and four. Then we went on a three-game losing streak, and then we just kept on losing. Um, won the first game of the ACC tournament against Georgia Tech, and then lost a a close game to Virginia by one point. Um, finished season 13 and 19. We haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2019. Uh, 2020, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, as we get into the show, we were going to make it. We finished season 24 and 7. We were going to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. We have a legitimate shot at potentially making the final four. And who knows, maybe winning a national championship. Um, but, dude, it's been so long that we made the NCAA tournament that my expectations for this upcoming season has drastically went down. Like, I mentioned it, we used to be a team that was expected to make Final Fours or potentially compete for a national championship, and now we're just fighting to even just make the NCAA tournament at this point. We're fighting to even make top four in the ACC uh, this upcoming season, and it's awful. If you told me, if you pulled me inside, hey, Peyton, this is what the five-year outlook is going to be for the University of Louisville, whether KP is the coach or not, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to some fan questions here uh, very quickly. After I make this point, if you tell me that the next five years is going to look like this for the University of Louisville, you make the tournament the next five years, before those five years, you're going to get knocked out in the first round. And that one year that you don't get knocked out in the first round, you make it to at least a Sweet 16, whether that's, or you make it to at least the second weekend, whether that's a Elite Eight, Final Four, Sweet 16 National Championship, whatever that is, I would tell you 
where's the contract? Because I'll sign that shit immediately. I'm all for it. Just to get us back to being competitive and just to get us back in the tournament. I would take losing in the first round for four to five years and having one of those years be a a year a season where we make it to the second weekend. And that is just shows how bad this program has fallen. That is so sad to see, and I can't believe I just said those words or those words just came out of my mouth. And I try. If people people can go back to episode one of when we do this podcast, like I try so hard to not be biased towards my teams, Louisville and Kansas. I try to play uh, or be fair about my, my predictions. Or when Louisville's good, I'll praise them. When they're bad. I'll shit on them, rightfully so. Um, and I don't have a problem with other people who are in different fan bases doing the same. Plays them when they're good, show them when they're bad. I have no problem with that at all. And I try to be realistic about expectations, be realistic about where the program's heading. And the fact of the matter is that this program, I said last year, I don't know how it gets any worse having a 4-28 and season. If KP's still the head coach, I don't know how it gets any better. I'm going to be real. Now, we might be a little bit more competitive this year. We may or may not win uh, or have a double-digit win type season. But if we don't make the NCAA tournament, it's not good enough. It's still not good enough. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go out there and win 18 games and make it to the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I don't know how this shit gets any better. It's a losing culture. How do you overcome a losing culture? Look. At this year's squad so far, tell me there is one player on this squad that has experienced an NCAA tournament atmosphere, and that is Brandon, or Brandon Hutley Hatfield. He's the only one. He was the only one last year who's experienced that as well, and he's the only one this year. And that, how do you win with that? How do you win with that? We're not Kentucky where they can do that. They have a couple of dudes. They have Trey Mitchell who played for West Virginia last year, and they obviously have Antonio Leaves, and I'm not sure who else is on their roster. I'm not really paying attention too much to what they're doing this offseason. But they at least got a couple of dudes, and the fact of the matter is we're just – as much as it pains me to say, even if they only had one dude, if Trey Mitchell never came to West Virginia, and they only had one dude on the roster who's experienced that type of atmosphere, excuse me, and – um. Antonio leaves, then they'd still be fine because they're Kentucky. They're Kentucky, even under Coach Cal Perry. Uh, even if you trust them or you don't trust them, um, when it comes to tournament time, they're still Kentucky. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out a way. They'll make the tournament with ease. They'll potentially have a roster full of guys who can potentially make a run in the NCAA tournament. Um, that's just the caliber of their program, and we're just not even close to telling that level. Let's go to a fan question. Johnny Shroud, Indiana fam. He says, my only question is, how does it feel to out Indiana, Indiana? Welcome to the former Blue Blood turned laughing soccer college basketball, my friend. We've been expecting you. Um, here's the harsh reality of this situation. I just mentioned like literally like a second and a half ago that I try to be realistic about stuff and not be too harsh, but also to be fair and just try to speak the truth as much as I possibly can. He says that we're a former blue blood turned laughing stock of college basketball. Johnny, you're half right. We are the laughing stock of college basketball, but we were never a blue blood. Never. 
I've never considered us a blue blood. I don't know if anybody in the fan base considered us as a blue blood. Three national championships, multiple Final Fours, two Hall of Fame level coaches. And I still don't think we're a blue blood. I don't think we're close, to be honest. I don't think we're on the level of Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA. I don't think we're we're on the level with Indiana. I don't think we're on the level of Connecticut. We might not be on the level of like a Michigan State, to be fair. We may or may not be. Now, it's probably closer than this. We probably are on the level of Villanova. That's probably being a little bit too harsh. But when it comes to Indiana, UConn, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, um, UCLA, and North Carolina, five of those teams are my blue bloods. Indiana and UConn's the only two teams that are looking or outside looking in. We're not on the level of those seven teams. So we're nowhere near being close to being a blue blood. Um, then now or forever. Uh just being real about that. But yeah, like Indiana's had their bad seasons. hundred percent. Hell, I've made fun of them for the last like 10 years um for being not relevant. And this is actually probably my karma. Uh, for making fun of them, for, making fun of them from all these years for not being relevant, not being good enough, and not making the NCAA tournament. Now they they turned their program around. They swept Purdue last season, uh, made it to the second round, uh, finished top half at the Big Ten Conference. Um, they're going to be good this year again. They got Killer Ware coming in. Um, Xavier Johnson got his waiver, so he's going to be playing this season. So. Um, Got some good additions coming in. They're going to be very talented this year, and they have a potential shot to win the Big Ten Conference this season. Definitely is going to be another top four team in the Big Ten this year, I imagine. Kentucky, this is where it gets me a little bit annoyed um, talking to Josh because he tries like so hard to keep my mind in the moment and not to be too harsh and just think of the perspective of things. He tried to tell me yesterday when I talked to him, but like, I don't know how this shit gets any better. He tries to up my spirits and I get why he's doing that. And I appreciate it. He tried to tell me that any off season, any type of transfer, any type of recruit can come to this program and change it like that. He brought the example of coach Cal, the way he did it when he took over the team in his first season, got John Wall, got Boogie Cousins, got uh, Patrick Patterson to come back for another year. Um, Eric Bledsoe came in and Daniel Orn. That's when they had like five guys and who get drafted in the first round. First time that's ever happened, I'm pretty sure. And they flipped their season around just like that with those uh, big time players and they had a really good year and they were like number one team in the country, like pretty much all season. Probably should have went to the Final Four and who knows, maybe they could have won. At the time, their eighth national championship would have been nine now. Um, I get where he's coming from. But, dude, I know you're listening to this. I appreciate what you're trying to do. You're trying to up my spirits. You're trying to keep my mind um, to think about the bright side of things. But, bro, we got to be real here. You have never experienced what I am currently going through right now. You, I've heard you talk about, I don't know if heard Kentucky fans talk about the Billy Clyde area, the Billy Gillespie, the last couple years of Tubby Smith. But I looked at Ken Palm. And I, I went to look at Ken Palm to just look at um, the resume from from uh, Billy Gillespie and just where everything that's happened. Because I remember it somewhat. I was about nine years old when he was coaching for Kentucky. 
Um, and I don't even remember too much of uh, Tubby Smith in his final couple of years at the University of Kentucky. But, bro, I thought Billy Clyde Gillespie, the way you guys are making it look like, I thought he coached at least five years. He only coached two. And the fact of the matter is, his first season coaching. Let's talk about Tubby Smith first. Let's talk about his final two years. 2006, Kentucky went 22-13. and 13. Made the NCAA tournament as an eight seed, got knocked down the second round by UConn. 2007, Tubby Smith's final year, 22 and 12. Made the NCAA tournament, got knocked down the second round as an eight seed to beat uh, Kansas University, 88-76. Walked out Jayhawk, by the way. That's Tubby Smith's final two years. He's made the NCAA tournament, at least got to the second round. I get that's not the expectation, but he made the NCAA tournament. 2008, Billy Clyde's first year, 18 and 13. Made the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed. Got knocked out by Marquette. His final year, 2009, 22 and 14. They didn't make the NCAA tournament. They made the NIT, NIT tournament as a four seed. Got knocked out by Notre Dame in the third round. But they still won over 20 games. Those four years, you made the NCAA tournament three of those four years. And those are considered being like the off years of the University of Kentucky. Bro, what the hell are you talking about? This can get better. And, yeah, right after that, 2000, uh, 2010, uh, that's when Cal took over and everything changed for this program. And he changed it and made Kentucky relevant again. But, like, bro, those four years, I mean, like, three of those years you were in, in, in the NCAA tournament and the other year that you went in 2009, you at least won 20 games. We haven't won 20 games since – oh, I'm still in Kentucky. I need to go back to – um. And you go back to Louisville. We haven't won 20 games since, what, 2019? Last year, we won four. 2022, we won 13. 2021, we won 13. 2020, yeah, 2020 was the last time we went over 20 games. We went 24 and 7. And that's when the COVID ended things. Like, we haven't had a 21 season since 2020. We haven't made the NCAA tournament since 2019. We haven't, like, finished top half of the ACC since 2020 as well. Like, I don't understand where it can get any better. Like, it's a losing culture. We're used to losing now. Like, in this day and age of Louisville basketball, we're no longer the favorites. We're no longer um, able to compete for NCAA tournament appearances. At this moment, let's get to another. That's just it on that. Um, let's get to another fan question. Let's stick with Josh here and let's talk about uh KP. He asks, Should Nolan Smith be the new head coach? Here's my answer to this, and I'll try to answer this to the best of my ability here because it's a it's a weird question to answer for me because I love Nolan Smith. If KP, if he doesn't get his shit together, if we start the I'll put it like this. If we start the season, this upcoming year, season, if we start like we did last year, we're going like 0-9 oh, um, to start our first like nine games and going 4-28, and really just going 0-9. Oh, if we start the season going 0-9, oh, I don't see KP coaching when it comes to ACC play. Once AC, once conference play starts, I don't, I can't say confidently that if we start the season 0-9 oh, that Kenny Payne will be on the sideline coaching for the University of Louisville before conference play starts. If we start the year off like we did last year, I don't see it. And if that happens, I do see Nolan Smith being the new head coach. But here's the thing. 
I love Nolan Smith. I love his energy, what he brings to the program. He obviously loves the University of Louisville, even though he's never played. He's never put this uniform on. He played for Duke, but his dad played for this, so he understands the lineage and the history and the tradition of this team and this program and what it means to his family. I think he would do a decent job as head coach, but here's the thing. He's young. I get he's young. He's probably motivated. He loves his team and wants his team to get better and get back to their winning ways. Um, he can recruit his ass off. But here's the thing. I am not ready. If this KP situation don't work out, I am not ready to hire another head coach who has zero experience being a head coach. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'd rather us go out and get a Dusty May. I'd rather us go out and just try to get um, – See if NATOs would come down. See if Scott Drew, Mark Field, whoever it is. Like, I'd rather us go out there and try to get a guy who's been experienced, who has experience being a head coach, rather than just hiring another guy who has who has zero experience being a head coach just because they're young and they can recruit. It was the same deal for KP. KP coming to this year, one thing that we thought was for sure is his ability to recruit the high-level kids. We thought that that was going to be a lock. The X's and those, we didn't really know, but the recruiting, we thought that was going to be a lock. We thought Louisville was going to be like top five in the recruiting class, recruiting rankings like almost every season. Um, and that just really hasn't been the case. He hasn't hit. We've lost some guys like A.J. Johnson. We lost some D.J. Wagner. Aaron Bradshaw, we lost. We lost some Robert Dillingham. We lost on Isaiah Miranda. We lost on a buttload of guys. Trent Flowers, we got to the team. But he's not going to play in a Louisville uniform because he left and went to fucking um, Australia. So even the guys that we do come in uh, that are highly talented, like uh, Trenton Flowers, it's still not guaranteed that they're going to put on a Louisville uniform and play. So, like, I don't know. It's rough. I, I hope KP can figure it out. I hope we can have a decent year this year. But, man, even if we just – even if we're competitive – even if, if we, like, make the NIT tournament, it, to me, it's still not good enough because we need to get back to the NCAA tournament any way possible. I don't care if we have to have an at-large bid. I don't care if we have to do it by winning the conference tournament. I don't care how we do it. We need to experience an NCAA tournament atmosphere, something we haven't experienced since 2019. We need to be in the NCAA tournament as soon as possible no ifs ands or buts don't care how you put it that has to be the expectation going forward because if it's not and we're just trying to go by but oh let's let's win a couple more games or let's have a double digit win season oh maybe we can stay above 500 that's not good enough it's not good enough and he has to go if that's if that's what his mindset it is right now man it sucks this past decade has been hell. I don't know how it gets any better. I'm still hopeful and still, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, somewhat enthusiastic about the season because I think we do got some dudes on our roster, like a Sky Clark. JJ Trader's coming back. I think he's electrifying. I think he could have a decent year this year. He's always going to play hard because he's from that area. Um, he has a talented. I'm excited to watch Dennis Evans. He's a above the rim type threat. He's going to block some shots. Um, excited to watch Cron Davis. He's one of the top Juco kids coming to this year. He's going to be able to score the basketball. Um, I'm excited to watch those three kids play or those four kids play this year. 
when it comes to everybody else, like a Curtis Williams or a Tyler Robinson, if he does become eligible or he does get enrolled, like I'm not sure how those guys are going to fit into the team. Having one point guard is going to suck again. So like Davis or Williams or whoever is going to have to try to learn to play point guard just to spare Sky Clark some minutes. That way he's not uh, pretty much killing himself throughout the season. Um, I think it's going to be another rough year uh, from my Cardinals this year. And that just, I don't know if y'all can hear it in my voice. Like it, it sucks, bro. It sucks being this bad. It sucks knowing that you're the biggest laughing stock in college basketball now. As much as it pains, pains me to say, it's the truth. And uh, hopefully we can rewrite history here soon. Hopefully we can get back to the winning ways. But like, I'm not, I'm not too confident going forward. But um, I guess anything can happen. Try to say, try to, uh, stay positive as much as I possibly can, but Josh and everybody else got to realize that it, it, it just sucks. It, it sucks, bro. It sucks being this bad. But that's the end of the episode. Um, hopefully here soon. Um, find another episode to record here soon. I think Josh is going to try to get either Trevor or Phil to hop on and do another conference uh, preview whether it's the Big Ten, AC, or whatever conference that they're doing for the magazine. Hopefully, speaking of the magazine, hopefully here soon, we'll have some details um, about pre-order. Oh, excuse me, about the pre-order of the magazine and uh, where you can get it at. And uh, once we get a cover art done, we're going to just talk and discuss the perfect date to not only release, but also to... Uh, Put out, put out the magazine, the 2023-2024 official ECB uh, college basketball magazine preview. Um, hopefully, we can get a pre-order down so you guys can get your pre-orders out. Um, and then we'll try to get a release date. We'll try to iron some things out. Still working on the magazine. I got the Big 12 completely done. The standings, the rosters, all the previews. Um, I got to work on my next conference because I think it's the Pac-12 now. But um Hopefully, uh, some details come out about that. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, like, share, subscribe. If you listen to this podcast on Spotify or any other like audio type platform, um, give this podcast a five star review. Share it with your friends, um, and that's it. See you next time. College basketball season's about a couple months away. I can't wait. It's going to be another wild year as it was last season. And uh, I'm not too confident about my Louisville Condos. But, hey, that's why you have two favorite teams, boys and girls. Rock Chalk Jayhawk always. Because I can, even though Louisville sucks, I can always trust in Bill's self and that he's going to load the wagon and we're going to get back to potentially uh, winning our uh, fifth national championship this year. But this podcast is all about Louisville. I won't mention too much of Kansas. Uh, KP. Probably not listening to this. Maybe you are. Who knows? Let's get this shit rolling. Let's get back to our winning ways because not only do you need it, um, but us Louisville fans, we're desperate. We're in desperate need of getting back in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll catch you all next time. I'm out. Peace. Go Cards.